What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Corral, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Going pretty well, Graham. Happy to be back in the old uh, Adam Klaus studio. It's been a hot minute. Uh, especially since just the two of us. Yeah. I don't think we could have paid anybody to come on this week's episode with... The holidays and whatnot. Well, the holidays and just all the pointless shit we're about to talk about for the next like 30 minutes yeah it's not a ton going on in atlanta sports you know the 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 uh you know people are still talking about the united championship but that you know happened a few weeks ago nothing's really happening with the braves and the and the uh you know on the hot stove in the winter meetings nothing really came out of that you know falcons still suck even though they blew out the cardinals on sunday and uh the hawks are what the hawks are yeah veronica just asked if um this guy uh, the girl that was just here of her husband, if we wanted him on the show, because he's a big United fan, I was like, first of all, we don't really know him that well. Yeah, um, you got to have some skin in the game. You got to like be emotionally invested with us in, in some respect. Right. The show. Yeah. Know know the person a little bit. We won't be able to, you know. Get and I was shit like, or, I was like, plus we just like we poured our heart and soul into our United coverage last week. It was a challenge. <laughs> it was it was it was a, a solid 6 7 minutes of, I think of so just too. us. I mean, like, of it, us talking and then if we came it. back the next week and tried again, that'd be a disaster. Well, it also just sort of upstage us considering that we are uh total totally um also upstage us considering that, you know, that guy's going to know a shit ton more about Lane United than we do. Right. It make us look dumber than we already are, which we already know we're pretty dumb. Exactly. However, we don't want to admit that, so even that, though we just did. That wouldn't have been good for anybody. No, no, and not for him either. We didn't, we wouldn't know what his threshold was. How much could we, uh, you know, could we insult him? Could we call him a, a, a liberal and him realize that it's more just uh, self-deprecating humor and not an insult? You right. Know, if you can't do if you if we can't acknowledge that, if you can't have ironic humor, then what's life worth living? Probably panic. I'd put, just pull up my notes from last week. Start talking about the what was it? The four three two one. Right uh, sets that uh, sure. Portland ran. Yeah, so would have been good. So yeah. just me and you, Grambo. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> anything uh, big happening in your life the past? Mm-hmm. No. Week or no, so. Nothing I can think about. No. No. Not a whole lot. I, I feel like if I remember, you got engaged to a user. I did get engaged to a user. Um, yeah, user Alexa, who we've had on many times, officially engaged. Actually, got engaged at the Adam Cloud Studios. Yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty exciting. I mean, and you guys met strictly through Atlanta's own, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, totally. Yeah. No, we've known each other for, we've known each other for ten years, which is pretty crazy. But um, yeah. Shout well, out to you. Congrats, Junior. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for letting me do it here. That was yeah. really special. Doing doing big stuff. Mm-hmm. That was very spur of the moment. I didn't really um, think about it until I was just driving the car one day. I was like, Yeah, you having a holiday party? Screw it. I think it went over well. Yeah, I think it was a, it was a lot of fun. You didn't make an ass out of yourself. No, I'm I'm a lot happier than I thought I'd be. Not that I was going to be miserable, you know, or anything like that. But I I feel like really good. Not that I didn't expect to, but it was just the amount of goodness I feel is off the charts. So big relief too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Should we um, talk about what people care about now. Yeah, I guess so. Let's get that. <laughs> let's get this you know stuff out of the way that no one else cares about and uh, jump into it. So, where do you want to start, Adam? There's not a whole hell of a lot going on. I guess since it's Falcons season, we start with uh, start with our Falcons. Sure. Um, we can start with the new team uh, coming to Georgia State that starts up in February, right after the Super Bowl. Oh, the Atlanta Legends? Yeah, the Atlanta AAFL. Legends. They got Aaron Murray as their quarterback. Mike Vick as their offensive coordinator. I think it's really ironic that Mike Vick is the offensive coordinator, considering he didn't listen to a goddamn word that Greg Knapp said when he was here. Well, he's matured now. He's a different. He is person. a very different person, and and I think, honestly, I don't want to get into the whole Mike Vick thing. I think that's a conversation for another time. But I think him going to prison, coming out, getting everything taken away from him, and then going to Philly and having you know the quarterback whisper and Andy Reid sort of get into his head. I mean, it was incredible watching Mike Vick play in Philadelphia. It was everything you wanted him to be when he was here. His knowledge of the offense was great. He could actually audible. He would had have deeper, uh, you know accurate deep passes um and his precision was just so much more on point he still had the elusive speed i mean it only lasted for a few years but it was like jesus and now it's kind of cool that mike vick comes back so tickets are 20 bucks go to game i would go, go to a game 20 bucks. you get to watch the game at turner field bad. again yeah 
Oh, that'd be classic. Mm-hmm. I could ride my bike down there. Yeah. Or take Marta right. to Georgia State and walk on over. Sure. The way it's supposed to be. Yeah. I think I'd do it. Yeah. Maybe we'll go to a game. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you want to talk about the Falcons? Yeah, I guess we'll talk about the Falcons. I think, let's see if I, I can come just, up with anything else to right. talk about. Um, oh, the, the Atlanta Dream are uh, going to play at State Farm Arena again. You really Greg. don't want anyone to listen to the show, do you? <laughs> I just don't want to talk about the Falcons. That's fair. Yeah, they've been playing at McCamish Pavilion the past two years, and now they're back at State Farm. I like that a lot, because I, I thought they were sort of giving the short end of the stick when they got kicked off to McCamish. It's like, why? I'm guessing because of the construction that was going on during the offseason of the Hawks. And the oh yeah, they don't play the during NBA the play, they, like, they don't play during the NBA season. Different time of year. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense now. So they're back back in State Farm, baby. I thought it's just because they were women and they were being shat on. No, I mean I figured it was because they wanted them at a smaller arena, so that's why I thought so it too. looked better. But that makes sense now that I think about it. Yeah, with the construction going on. Yeah, for sure. Okay, onto the Falcons. All right, onto the Falcons. <laughs> Falcons actually showed up to play last week. I don't know for the first time in over a month. Um, obliterated the Cardinals 40-14. to Behind a strong effort from Tevin Coleman, especially. Um, only had 11 carries, but had 145 yards and a touchdown. He also got another touchdown called back on a, on a holding call. Um, yeah, he was awesome. Julio was great. Another touchdown for him. Matt didn't have the best game, but you know did what he needed to do. The defense, though, really showed out. Pick six from Deion Jones. Your boy Vic Beasley actually had a deflection and a sack. Grady Jarrett, I think, had two sacks. Um, and, and you know it was it was fun, even though like you know a lot of people are bitching about draft position and and things like that. It was nice to watch a game on that that Sunday and just be like you know I I can I can sort of enjoy this. You know it, it was it was a reprieve from the hell we've endured this season. To me, are you going to continue to enjoy it when we end up with a three-game winning streak? Yeah, when we when we win and well, go seven and nine. Well, you heard, so you heard the Panthers aren't starting Cam Newton now, right? So we probably win that game. Uh, it's in Carolina though, but uh, who's their backup? Do you know? I have no idea. Um, it's probably uh, Jake Delum or something. <laughs> <laughs> I know Derek Anderson's finally gone. Um, yeah, he was there for a lifetime. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we we could end on a winning streak and. Who knows? That, seven and that, nine, that yeah. could save some jobs. I think, and, and that's actually something I want to talk about. I mean, I'm not going to get too much into the details of this game because it was a joke of a game. I mean, Josh Rosen might be the worst quarterback I've seen play in the NFL in quite some time, maybe since Nathan Peterman, um, which is really not some time since he played some this year. But in terms of sitting down and watching and not just hearing about it, it was like, Jesus. How did? And before we get into my, my bigger point, how did this Cardinals team go on the road to Lambeau Field and beat the Packers? we were subsequently destroyed by. I think and, and then we blow them out. They had a bunch of injuries in this game against us, didn't they? Wasn't their offensive line decimated? Yeah, I think they had some injuries. Which you know? I think, but yeah, we, we can't talk about injuries. Right. It's just, it, it was really incredible that uh, Josh Rosen beat Aaron Rodgers. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, he certainly... It makes no sense. I mean, he, yeah, he did not look like an NFL-ready quarterback. Right, right which I think speaks to the issues they were having with McCarthy up there. Because um, you know, once they got Joe Philbin in there, it was like they were a new team, and we were just sleepwalking through it. Right. But yeah, the Falcons actually played with some energy, and they looked like shit initially. We were getting, you know, Cardinals went up seven to nothing, looked awful, and then once that Deion Jones pick happened, it was like we were off to the races. Yeah, that man certainly has a nose for the end zone. I yeah. think this is his third pick six now, and. Mm-hmm. Three years, yeah, which is pretty damn good yeah. for a linebacker. And, and I'm really happy to see him looking good off the injury. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely contributed in these games and, and looked a lot like himself. Um, he's not – I don't think he's quite where he wants to be just because of the rust, but, I mean, I've, I've been happy seeing his, his efforts so far since returning from that injury. But the point I wanted to make a couple minutes ago before we got a little sidetracked was I do not want this game alone to affect the mentality of the front office – of the coach of uh, Dan Quinn, and to say, oh, well, you know, Vic Beasley really showed out in that game against the Cardinals, so we should exercise that fifth-year option. Or, you know, things like that. How mu- uh, do you know how much that off- option is? It's 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 in the double digits. I think it's 10, 12 million, something like that. You can't do that. So we, we can't – can we not exercise the option and then re-sign him for lesser money? Yeah, I think so. I don't think I don't think that wouldn't that wouldn't be illegal. But if you're Vic Beasley and they don't exercise that option, do you really want to come back here? You know, realistically. Yeah, I mean, he might have to do a one-year prove-it deal, 
whether that's with us or someone else. Right. But um, but th- but don't do you agree with with that in the sense that you know this game, even though we actually showed up, doesn't really change your opinion on the overall season yeah. and things oh, like no, that. No, no, definitely not. Not the season or even individual players. Um, I just struggle with Vic. Anytime you take a, we take him at six, eight, eight. Yeah, that's tough. It's tough to give up. Top on Top ten draft pick. He's had. He's, he's all, he especially when that's you know. a need for us as it is. So like, yeah, but he's not. He's not. But, there's but, a reason if, it's a need. But I mean, if, he's the reason. But he's if, one of the if but if Tack, I mean, the second year is when Vic showed out so much, and Tack has regressed this year. If anything, you know. So that's yeah. pretty troublesome that we've got two first round pick DNs that right. haven't turned into shit so far. Or that have turned into shit. <clears throat> right. Yeah. I think um, I think it's interesting that both Tack and Vic had their best seasons when they when they were under the mentorship of a of a senior leader playing alongside them. One Vic Beasley and uh, Dwight Freeney, Tack McKinley and uh, Adrian Claiborne. Call Adrian Claiborne a mentor? Yeah. I know I, I heard they were they were compadres. They were tight. Yeah. yeah. So maybe not having that veteran in hurt this year? Yeah, maybe so. No. Um Although well, then do you call it a coincidence that they've at least Vic's been playing better once Bruce Irvin got here? Bruce Irvin actually played pretty well. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I w- I'd be willing to take another flyer on Bruce Irvin and see if he oh, can come yeah. back yeah. cheap. Because, honestly, he wasn't getting a lot, of, a lot of snaps when he first came to the team. And now that we're out of contention, of course, he starts to do well. Right. Uh, I also think it's kind of interesting that we're dialing up a lot of different blitz packages where, where we are actually varying our defense now that the season is over. And it's like, why weren't we doing this when it was clear that a four-man rush and dropping everyone else back in zone coverage wasn't working? That really pisses me off, yeah, seeing it- that. It's like, where the hell was this adjustment six weeks ago? I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's just a matter of these, because when we were talking about this early in the year, it's a matter of these players improving with all this uh, playing time that they got. But you're right, I mean, it's, it was coaching this this time. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely, not that the players are absolved of sin or anything like that, but there is a schematic thing you have to follow or that you put in place, a strategy. And... <laughs> There was clearly a different strategy the last couple weeks defensively. Even though we got destroyed by the Packers, at least we were sending blitzes. We sent blitzes this time and rattled the hell out of this young quarterback. And it's like, why weren't we doing that before the Packers game is beyond me and a sign of bad coaching and a and a sort of stubborn, um, you know, keep trying the same thing over and over again, even though it's not working. And I, it's nice to see, but it's like, if, if you're a coach worth your salt, you would think we would have tried that week four or something, week three. Because the defense we've been running, the Seattle defense, is very much what we've been trying to do in the early parts of the year. It was actually very successful last year in, in producing us being a top ten defense. But this year, with all the injuries, it was like we didn't try to do anything different. And it was like, why? But it's kind of why? been the same thing every year start in terms of this defense figuring it out at the end of the year, but generally be going into the playoffs, too, so it keeps moving. Right. Because, like, 2016, we were god-awful. Yeah, until, especially in the early half. Like, the last until, five games Until Dan so. Quinn took over play-calling, we were bad. And then the, the last season, we were pretty good last year throughout the season. I mean, I think middle of the year we really hit our stride. Yeah. But it was it was sort of like... You know the players were good enough to be able to learn that system, whereas this time the the players weren't. You know, with all the injuries we had, and so it would have been nice to have seen this this uh, you know change in strategy sooner. Is basically the the long and short of it. And if if we're sitting here drinking and saying why aren't we sending blitzes in week four, then I don't understand. Or week three, why the hell isn't Dan Quinn and Mark Manuel having that conversation or making that happen? Well, because now they are when nothing matters. I think it was the point, and I made this point when we still had a chance, um, it's that we didn't have the players with the skill set to play uh, one-on-one and win those battles. So when you're sending these blitzes, you can't rely on the zone as much. But you're sort of doing the same thing. I mean, I know you got Dan but, Jones. But now they've, now they've been, like, the players have gotten better and improved to where they can cover a little better one-on-one. Maybe. That's, that's my only theory. I mean, I'm not going to discount that because I think there's probably some validity in it, but I would like to um, 
despite the verity in your your statement, I would I would have liked to have seen something, just something, man, because it's like now we're finally seeing adjustments, and it's like Mark Quine, you're trying to save your job, bro. And there's a lot. Of, there's been a lot of rumors out there that Sark and Mark, Mark Quine are on the, the 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 chopping block. Yeah, so I, I saw that big headline yesterday saying Falcon. I said something like Falcons likely to fire both coordinators. Right, and the Falcons haven't said anything. Dan Quinn hasn't said anything. Dan Quinn said in his press conference today, mm-hmm. he started off by saying, as usual, I know you guys are going to ask me about some off-season personnel changes with the coaches. I'm not going to answer that. I'm not going to say anything about it. Um, and he didn't say it's like, I mean... By not by him even saying that it's an issue, you know. Um, yeah, no, that's that's sort of he kind of showed his hand there. So that it's a real thing. Yeah, I think so. I wasn't aware of that, but just from you saying that, that's, that's sort of like saying, yeah, we're probably going to make a change somewhere. And of course, all he said was, "We're just here to talk about uh, the product on the field." Like anyone gives a shit about these next two games, right? It'll be interesting to watch the off season. Um, transpire not just with the coaching staff and the potential moves that could be made there. I mean, we've already we've talked Sark to death, so we're not going. I don't think we need to get into that. Um, Manuel, I wouldn't mind giving him another shot, honestly. But I mean, what, what do you think? No matter who comes in there, they're going to be running Dan Quinn's defense. So it's sort of like, right? Does I mean? I kind of just want someone with a little more NFL experience. At and that's that's the big thing, too. I think that was probably Dan Quinn's biggest mistake, especially on the offense, where he doesn't have as, as much mastery of the game as he does on defense, is bringing in um, Sark, who has no NFL experience, to a team that's ready to win a Super Bowl. And clearly there was a lot of struggling there in terms of the uh, chemistry going on between Matt and Sark, the team and Sark, the scheme and Sark. And it's like, why wouldn't you just go get... I don't know, see if Gary Kubiak wants to come out of retirement, Greg Knapp, whoever. Get some guy with a lot of experience to come in and take us over the top who can run a similar Shanahan-style scheme as opposed to getting some rookie coordinator who has no experience up here. Well, then to have a rookie coordinator on your defense as well. It's just very, very Yeah. I, with Manuel, at least he was on and, staff and was learning. And the, the players seem to respect him. And the him. players seem to respect him, and he's a former player, um, you know, I'm not sure when he retired, but, uh, and, you know, and he had he had a great rapport with the safeties. He knew the personnel. Sark's coming in from Alabama and from, you know, rehab. Right. So it's like, I I get the manual move more than I get the Sark sure, move. Sure, sure. Yeah. But I do hear you in the sense that it's like you have this team that is ready to win now and you, you put your defense and your offense in the hands, more so your offense in the hands of somebody who has proven nothing. Yeah. It's just sort of like, yeah. And I mean, th- this defense will be ready to... I mean, I think this team will be ready to rock next year. I mean, you get yeah, you get a angry Keanu Neal coming back. He's going to kill everybody. He's going to decapitate people. Dion being healthy. Ricardo, Ricardo back, um, and at the worst, probably like a top twelve pick. Right. Um, that damn well better be. Well, I don't know. I don't know. You could go off offensive or defensive. It has line. to be in the trenches. Thomas's aversion to addressing the offensive line has to end with this draft, and it really does. I can't stand it anymore. Drafting Sean Harlow in the fifth round ain't going to do it, buddy. Draft, yeah. you know, picking some guy off the Tennessee Titans scrap heap, which we did with Annie Levitre, and he actually did well here. It's not a, it's not a great long term solution. Yeah, got to, got to just like make the boring pick that the fans don't get excited about, right? And plug him in for the next fifteen years, right? That would be swell. Easier said than done, but yeah. But this sort of brings me to to Grady Jarrett, unrestricted free agent <clears throat> coming into. I mean, next season, and Dave Archer was on the radio today and apparently said, according to his sources, Grady Jarrett's camp and Grady Jarrett want $5 million more million a year than the Falcons are willing to offer him, and that's why there hasn't been a contract. $5 million more a year? Yeah. So he wants to get into that $17 million range kind of thing. The Falcons were trying to go $12 million-ish, $13 million-ish. He wants to go $17 million. The highest-paid defensive tackle in the league is apparently Fletcher Cox out of Philly, who gets uh, seventeen, a little over $17 million a year. So, I don't think Grady's on the level of Fletcher Cox, but Jesus Christ, I do not want to lose him. I do not want to lose him. That would be a disaster. Well, He's so important to this defense. I mean, do we have the money to do that? 
The problem is we have so many holes on the offensive line. Ben Garland's going to be leaving. He, he's not very good, but he's leaving. Sambreo's gone, not very good, but he's leaving. Levitre has to be cut because he's already, all he does is get injured now. Oh. Alex Mack's getting older, even though he just made the Pro Bowl. He's still getting older. He's not as effective as he used to be. Um, so we need to bring him like a Schra- Schrader sucks now. Sucks for some reason. So we got to bring in like two starting yeah. caliber. The only guys you got that you can really rely on are Matthews and I, I can't believe I'm saying, but Jake Matthews has quietly had a pretty decent season. Matthews and Mack. Right. You know, those are the only guys you can rely on. And it's so sort of like. Maybe get one through the draft, one through free agency. Right. Um, two through free agency. Hell. <clears throat> yeah. I mean. But no. It, it's tough. It's tough. We, we can't let Grady walk. No, there's no way. You have. I would. Even if it cripples the cap a little bit. I know you got to worry about Julio, and, too. You but, know, them, if they're putting out $5 million, they would meet in the middle. Yeah. Dave Archer seems to be <laughs> thinking um, that it might. You know, there could be an impasse, and he could be gone. And I was like, Jesus. I was listening Dave, to... Dave, uh, that's a little uh, extreme and yeah, saying that in December. Seems like it. So I was listening to Talking Chop podcast earlier, mm-hmm. and it, it's relatable. Brad Rowland was on it, and uh, they were just talking about all the rumors that are out there in MLB, and like, the Marlins want this much for real Muto, he's worth this much, and yeah. then you've even got like Mark Bowman saying no... Hundred percent, the Braves aren't like they don't need Real Muto, mm-hmm. and the Marlins beat Ryder saying the complete opposite, and it's all kind of propaganda what reaches the media, so you don't actually know what's going on behind closed doors. No, no, and, no. and if if Grady's people are saying that, I mean they're just trying to upsell Grady as the best D tackle in the league, even right. if they know he's not. Yeah, but he is. I would consider it to be one of. I think he's top five. At a minimum, top ten. I mean, I think he's excellent. And if we lose him, you can forget about that fucking championship window. Because he's the only guy you've got up front that, that can do anything. And people thinking that DeAndre not can just go over there and be the Grady Jarrett role, you can fucking forget about that. I haven't seen one iota from, one thing from him this year to intimate that he's the next Grady Jarrett. He may be a similar player in stature in terms of what people think he can do, but he has not shown anything to me that he can be anywhere close to what Grady Jarrett is. I, I think... A, I don't know who these people are that are saying Sanat is Grady Jarrett. B, I think it's a little early to be getting this worked up about possibly losing Grady I'm Jarrett. I'm terrified from hearing that. Well, that's just Archer talking. I know, but it did its job. It makes me afraid. And well, it's making me talk about this on the show. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, there's no... But it scares me because Thomas is always about we take care of our players a year before they go to free agency. Grady has not been taken care of. It's about to be an unrestricted free agent. It's very scary for Falcons standards um, to me because usually a high profile guy, an elite guy like Grady, we are they're taken care of. Listen, we don't have is, to worry about this nothing. One, is this one supposed to be Julio's year now too? Julio still has. Remember, he still has like two years left on his deal. I know, but is this year? Is this the off season? They said that they would maybe. I don't know. Do it? I don't know anything about Julio. Anymore. I can't remember what, how that thing even resolved itself. That's so funny. We spent weeks talking about that. It's hilarious. Did we give him more money? Yeah, we gave him like $2 million more million and everything was settled maybe, this year. Maybe that held him over for another year. Though. Yeah, so I think he's got two years yeah, left. Grady's got to get paid, man. Mm-hmm. That fifth-round draft pick, you know, he hasn't been making money like he's supposed to be yeah, you, for his you, production. Yeah, and he, I mean, think about that performance, <clears throat> especially in the Super Bowl. He sacked Tom Brady three times as a defensive tackle. You and damn, I thought we said as a rule, we're not talking about I know, about but Super Bowl just anymore. think about that. In the biggest stage, he balled out. And every week he balls out. He tries so hard, and he actually puts up numbers on a defensive line that sucks around him, which is damn impressive to me. And you've got to retain a guy like that who's in the prime of his career. We will. I hope you're right. I'm just worried about the Thomas factor. Like, get it done. That just be your first priority on the offseason. If if Grady walks, you can forget any about about us being a serious contender. You forget it because we have so many holes. And he plugs up a huge one, and you lose him, that those those multiple holes you got got turns into a, a mortal wound. It's going to be another year like this next year. He's he's critical. Well, this is going to be a fun Falcons off season. I can tell. Yeah, if you're like this all the time, <laughs> <laughs> let's hope it gets done. Um, <laughs> Hopefully early too. Yeah, so I don't have to bitch about so it. For don't months. have to listen to Graham. Um, Panthers this weekend in Charlotte. 
should be an awful game with Cam Newton sitting down. Apparently, a, a sore shoulder is is, and they're shutting down for the rest of the year. It's not just this game; it's, it's the next two games. It's pretty wild that the NFL season is over, um, or almost over. So that. Remember when the Panthers were like six and one? See, I prefer our season versus their season. Oh yeah, we're, we're imagine how much more disappointing it'd well, be right now. It reminds me of Dan Quinn's rookie season when we were like five and zero or whatever, and then we just shit the bed. Right. Yeah, I'd rather just take the dull pain of just sucking ass. We kind of knew from we we knew from once the injuries happened we were screwed. Yeah. Even <clears throat> and even when we had that Washington game, I mean, I was kind of almost. But it's still an uphill battle. It was still an uphill battle. You had to play perfect football. Yeah. And we knew that this team wasn't really capable of that. But we really didn't. We needed to just play mediocre football and we'd be in the playoffs. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, the, the, the Panthers, I mean, they've lost, what, five games in a row or something like that? I mean, they're. it's going to be an ugly-ass game, I think, up in Charlotte. Um, who knows? We might blow their doors off. With, with Cam being out, that's going to... And they lost a really tough game to the Saints on Monday Night Football, like 12-9. to nine, so. It was like their season. Yeah, so they're they're done. We're done. It's going to be a bad game. Um, but Falcons, you know, with Matt Ryan playing and Cam not, we should be in pretty good position to win that game. But then it goes back to the whole draft pick tanking argument, which, you know, has been going on since time immemorial. So, I don't know. They're not going to tank. The, Fa- the Falcons aren't. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're not going to. But I guess it goes back to... Really, from a fan standpoint, do you want to see? No, I want, us, them to, I want them to lose. You want them to lose? Yeah. For, for better draft position. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I would like to. It just doesn't seem likely. Um, and honestly... At the, least one, lose one out of the next two. Who we, who we got left? The Bucks. At Tampa Bay. We could probably lose that game. Just because, I don't know. I think we're more likely to lose that one than I, I think week. so too. I mean, as much crap as we talk about Jameis, I don't even know who the Panthers' backup is. So we have a much better chance of winning that game to me. Yep. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. And um, I think that's it for Falcons talk this week. A lot more than I thought there was going to be. Yeah, we made it. Yep. Two um, more weeks. Horrible season will almost be over. We'll all be euthanized together, folks. Matt Lana had a great a great point um, talking about who to cheer for to be in the Super Bowl. And he has a theory that you cheer for the Saints to get to Atlanta and because lose. they're like the, the huge arch nemesis. And like that gives you something to watch. It's hoping them lose. And then if they lose in just excruciating fashion... That'd be great. That, that would be better than like watching... The Chiefs and the Rams, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, at least <laughs> two teams we don't really care about. Right, at least there's two ways to look at that. With the Chiefs and Rams, at least you can just sit back and watch the game. You don't have to worry about it. With the Saints playing whoever, you got to worry about the Saints winning. It does make it a lot more exciting. Well, his spin zone on that. It makes it a lot more <clears> exciting, <throat> I'll say that. Spin zone on that is if the Saints win, there's that chance that Drew Brees will just be like, you know what, I got my second Super Bowl, I'm going to retire now. I would rather him not. I would, I would, you can, I would rather someone cut off my arm than the Saints win the Super Bowl in Atlanta. But you don't think Drew Brees retiring would be worth it? No. Next year you got. Not at all. Next year you got. I'd rather f- play him till the day. <laughs> I, I'd rather him be 85 years old going out on the field and still torturing us than have them win a Super Bowl on our turf. That's treachery. That's, that's, that's treacherous talk right there. But imagine facing Teddy Bridgewater next year instead of Drew Brees. I don't care. I don't, I want to beat Drew Brees. I want to beat Drew Brees and go to the Super Bowl. Well, we I want to face the best. It's not an option. Maybe it will be next year. I don't. I don't want him to. I do not want the Saints to win. No, that, that's that's horrible. Can't. No. Mm-mm. Saints go. That's fine. If they lose, I like that. But I do not <laughs> want them to. Like that is a huge price to pay. Winning a Super Bowl, like we know what that is like, but uh, which we don't. But winning a Super Bowl is the ultimate. I think as a as a as a sports fan, your team winning the Super Bowl. I, I can't imagine a better feeling than that. So to watch those assholes win the Super Bowl on our field would just be excruciating. And no price, there's no price I'm willing to pay for that to happen. Not even Drew Brees' retirement. Well, the good news is we don't have to watch it. True. Like I said, Saints-Patriots, if it happens, I'm, I refuse to watch. I told, I told uh, Jeff was texting me the other day that they were thinking about booking some show, like Super Bowl night at 8.30. I was like, dude... Graham and I would totally oh, yeah. be there. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah, for sure. 
Especially if it's the Saints. If it's the Saints and Patriots, oh, yeah. Oh, God. I'm, I'll just... I'll, I'll be looking for anything to do. Yeah. I'll come sing with the band. Like, I'll go to, like... What are other activities people that do that don't watch sports? Like, we could go see a play. Watch a movie. Watch a movie. No. Um, go camping. Sure. Yeah, it'd be great. Get out of town. Without phones. Ooh, yeah, yeah get out of town might be the way to go. Mm. Bring Jeff and the band with us. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Braves talk. What, um... There was a there was a big rumor over the weekend. Craig Mish, the uh, Marlins beat writer, that's the guy I was talking about. Yeah, he was uh, intimating that <clears throat> we were the favorites to get Real Muto. Everyone on Twitter, including me, freaked out. He's just making shit up. Uh, apparently, he has like an inside track to the uh, to the front office for the Marlins, though. So a lot of people were saying that what he, you know. It was still speculation. All he said that was that we were the, the slight favorites. It wasn't like this overwhelming endorsement that the deal was close to being done. Like a lot of times you'll see, like with the Paul Goldschmidt deal with the Cardinals, you saw Ken Rosenthal, Rosenthal say it's like this close to being done. It wasn't like he came out and said that. Like it was imminent. It he just said, said 35%. He said 35%. That's a dumb number. It is a dumb number. Completely made up. He does it just to get more people looking at his shit. Exactly. And for losers like us. And that's why Bowman was so quick to say no. Right. Like, the Braves have made their offer, yeah, and that's that. They're not changing their offer. Right. Apparently, they won an Austin Riley, um, coveted third-base prospect we have. And honestly, like, we've talked about Rio before. As talented as he is and as much of a leg up that that would give this lineup this year, it's still – I just don't want to give up an Austin Riley for a guy that we're only going to have for two years that's almost 30 that plays a – position that doesn't do well the older, especially really you don't do well the older you get more so than other positions so I'm I'm fine with us not not getting real I'm I'm also fine with us pursuing him because he's a good player but I'm also okay with not getting him because even though I would like a more solidified everyday catcher it's just as talented as he is I don't know I just I would I would just hate to give up on Austin Riley before we even get to see him and uh, Whatever, you know, it's, it, it, something about it just doesn't sit right with me. No, I mean, yeah, catchers just scare me. Right. I mean, he, he, I mean, he's a hell of a talent. There's no doubt about no, that. No, yeah, and especially, I mean, think of the numbers he puts up with a shitty team around him. Imagine if he has Donaldson, Acuna, Freddie around him, how good his numbers would be. He might have an MVP caliber season. Yeah. It's very tantalizing. It is very tantalizing. And if the if the price was right, maybe you do pull the I mean, trigger. I, I trade a couple of our pitching prospects, but I, I agree with you about Riley. Yeah, it's just Riley. Just mm. I don't want to trade Riley or Pache. Yeah, Riley and Pache, I really don't want to get rid of, especially <clears throat> Pache. Considering, or right, I mean, yeah. Well, they were P- wanting Pache. Also saying like, you know, I don't know of any other outfield prospects that we have that are coming up, and we're obviously missing an outfield right now. So it's like, I don't know. Well, yeah, the Marlin. I mean, they they didn't really get much back for Azuna. Azuna, Stanton, or Yelich. Yeah. So they're, they're really trying to make Real Muto their big haul. Right. And they might be holding out. Like, they don't have a lot of leverage anymore. Yeah, and it's kind of funny, too, because those three guys, no disrespect to Real Muto, are a lot better than Real Muto. Yeah, like, um, yeah, I mean, with Yelich, like, MVP this year, right. like, they really screwed that they're one swindled. up. They're yeah. swindled. And it's amazing that they had all of those guys on that team at the same time, and they couldn't be any better than they were. God, too bad we couldn't have made that deal. Like if oh, free, if Yelich was still around this year, we could have we could have made a run after this Antho- season. after Anthopolis had like a year to know the roster and all that. Imagine having Acuna, Yelich, Freddie, one two three. That'd be sick. That'd be nice. And then you made a Donaldson move, put Donaldson at four. Yep. Mama. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, not much else going on with the Braves though. But some, something has to happen. Like yeah, and I think everyone who's freaking out. Just need to, once again, just slow your roll. Michael Brantley was signed by the Astros. Two-year, $32 million deal. Uh, a lot of people thought that, you know, the Braves fucked up on that one. Braves did pursue Brantley. and uh, But everyone's sort of acting like, uh, you know, because the Braves do have a history of being cheap, but they're sort of using that as an excuse as opposed to thinking, oh, well, maybe... Brantley made the best decision for him. Maybe he uh, wasn't just a money thing. Maybe he wanted to DH some because he's been injured. You know, maybe we made the same offer. Maybe we made the same offer. Who the hell knows? But I think to to write us off as being cheap and we just dropped twenty three million dollars for the former American League MVP is kind of bullshit. You can think that maybe about the the Frank Wren era, and you know, 
and uh, I guess the late John Charles era, but I don't think you can say that about Anthopoulos right now. The jury's still out in terms of what you know he's wanting to do. A lot of people point though to Liberty Media and, and the unwillingness to spend money, but I'm not looking at it that way. No, here's the deal. Because uh, Bowman uh, Bowman did say we made an offer to him, so it's yeah. not like we didn't try. Right. And a, there's going to be a big trade that's going to go down within the next two months. Like, it has to because we do just have a surplus of arms in the minor leagues, which is a problem because you're going to start affecting these guys' development. Like, there's not enough spots no. for these guys to be at the levels they're supposed to be at. And A, that's going to start pissing a lot of them off, the, the players themselves. Especially as time goes by with guys like Kyle Wright and Ian Anderson, who are projected to be some of the more cream-of-the-crop arms that we have, right? If you got old-ass Julio Tehran sitting around. And so Yeah, Julio, Julio's going to have to go just so we can get one of those guys in the majors for him. Yeah. But also, we can't be converting all these guys to relievers and stunting their development. Like, a trade has to happen, so you have all the spots at AAA you need, all the spots yeah. in AA. One it's guy, just a matter of time. You talking about that. Uh, brings up one guy I'm interested in moving, which is Colby Allard, the the uh, pitching prospect who came up here this year, who's highly touted. But from what I saw, and this is just maybe unfair because I'm just judging him off the the naked eye test. Very low velocity flat fastball, not a lot of movement on his pitches that it seemed like everybody was going crazy about. And it was in it was in very, you know, only saw him pitch a few times. But in terms of all you know the the huge list of guys that you got. The embarrassment of riches. That's a guy I'm certainly willing to part with. And that's a guy you can point to in minor league numbers saying he has good minor league numbers. What can we do to put him in a package that can make him more attractive than he actually is to somebody that's and true. try to get a, a you know someone we can actually utilize this year to try to win a championship. Right. And, and he's not like a whistler or a blair. Like he definitely has talent. Yeah. And right. I remember like I think his First start was pretty impressive, and it was like pouring rain, and the game started at like 10, and he like right. gutted his way through like sure. five innings, but yeah. not, his stuff isn't what the other guy's stuff No, is. like Ian Anderson, Kyle Wright, you watch tape on those guys, and you're like, that, you know, mid-90s fastball, devastating hook, the, the prototypical ace kind of stuff, and he does, he's, he reminds me more of a, a Medlin type without the pinpoint control right now. Right. And, it's, and it, it is unfair to say, like, you just want to give up on him just because, um... You know, you haven't seen him pitch enough, but when you have all these pitchers that are ready to rock, you got to weed out, you know, you got to have a hierarchy, and he's on the lower part of that hierarchy right now. I'm high on, yeah, I mean, I'm high on a lot of these guys. Um, but yeah, Allard, that's not one I'd be yeah. horribly upset so I think, if he went. I hope we try to put him in a package for somebody, make him seem better looking than he is, and, and, and get him out. So, you know, your worst case scenario doesn't happen, right? And we can get something in return, right? And, and we're, I mean, we're not going to go to camp with the outfield as it is with Duvall as our starting. No, if you do that, right then the Anthopolis should be fired. I think it's it's going to take um, the Harper and Machado signings going through to really get the ball rolling. That is um, how a lot of these. Because uh, if, if Harper goes to like L.A., yeah. then you got um, Puig. Right, Pleak's going to want to go. Or Jock Peterson, as, like, they, they'll have a surplus. I'll take either one of those guys. Yeah. As much uh, as I hate Puig, I respect the talent. Apparently, uh, there were a lot of stories about Puig during the World Series that he he's really matured a lot. I mean, he's 28 years old. Yeah. And um, ha- has come around a lot from those young days of him, and he was a lot more of a leader in the clubhouse, and he could bring a lot of excitement. And Yeah. The, I mean, and imagine that outfield Puig... In Ciarte and Acuna. It's definitely... Like him uh, having that cannon of an arm out yeah, there. that's definitely a step up. Kind of it's, exciting. As much as I like Marquecas, Fleek's probably a better we, defender at this point. We, oh, yeah. I mean, we, we, we can upgrade. And I, I still think we should. Yeah, we, I think we do. I don't... As much as I like Marquecas, I really don't want to bring him back. If you, if you have to, you do it, but it's not something I want to do. No. And then you're searching for trades early. Right. I'm a little more on the the Castellanos thing that we were talking about last week. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little more up on that because yeah. I, I didn't I didn't realize he he only has one year left on his deal, mm-hmm. so he's not going to cost the same number of um, prospects right. that some can, of these other guys would. And, you can use that as leverage. Yeah. And Detroit's going to suck, so they don't really have like they're looking to move on and yeah. 
get a couple, you can maybe get a couple mid-grade prospects in there. Right. And maybe with Ender and Acuna as good as they are and us having good defenders all over the field, we can deal with one yeah, you horribly can, shitty defender. You can stick Acuna in right, put Castellanos in left, and probably survive. Yeah. Because that's a good point. All the people that are bitching about Castellanos being a liability aren't thinking about how good Ender and Acuna are in the field. So that's a good point. Yeah, and I mean, like... Castellanos, I mean, he is a great bat. Like, he was a six-war player. Like, he would be a six-war player, mm-hmm. but because of his defense, it takes him down to three. Right. So he's, like, historically bad defensively, but that bat yeah. could be worth it. Right. And if we're talking that or Marcakis, I'd take that. I would, too, especially because he's younger. And um, I think he's, like, 26. Yeah, he's, he's entering his prime, and really the last couple of years he's caught on. And once again, he hasn't had a lot of protection in Detroit. You know, Miguel Cabrera's not the same player he was. And Justin Upton, I think, that year that Castellanos came out was traded midseason. So he's put up good numbers with a bad lineup. You put him in a good lineup like the one we're trying to get going. Plus, then, with, with, with some of the things that we did last year with, like, our defensive metrics, maybe you can improve him a little bit, like Marquecas improved. Sure. I don't know. Sure. So we'll see. But, yeah, Castellanos would be interesting. There's still talk about Trevor Bauer and Corey Kluber. It's all rumors, though, hearsay. Yeah, we're going to have to get some starters. Uh, well, we need some damn relievers. Yeah, relievers. I'm, I am surprised that we haven't done anything on the reliever front yet. A little bit. Not a free agent, but a trade. And not necessarily a high-profile guy like a Kimbrel or a Diaz, but, you know, someone else who could be out there that's, you know, one of those... Erica Flaherty and his prime type of players that we're just that's on a bad team that we don't know anything about because we don't watch that team. You know what I mean? Like there, there are plenty of guys out there like that. David Robertson's out there from the Yankees. Yeah, David Robertson would be nice. Um, Soria's out there. Yeah, Joachim Soria. There, there's there's a lot of names out there. There's still the reliever market comes a little later for the right, most part. Right. But um, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. Yeah, we'll be watching what happens. I mean, I think a lot of people are really hoping for something to happen at the winter meetings, but not a whole hell of a lot did around baseball. I can't really think of one big move that happened where people were freaking out about it, or some blockbuster yeah. trade, or a big free agent signing. And I think you're right. Once the Machado and Harper dominoes fall, even if one of them falls, just one of those two guys, I think shit will start to get moving a little yeah. bit. Yeah, because they're going to dictate the market, especially free agent free agent market. And then once that happens, you're exactly right. Teams, you know, if Harper goes to L.A., they're going to have to get rid of somebody. And then it'll just create a whole avalanche effect. So, Domino effect, if you will. Domino effect, however you want to put it. But, yeah, I, uh, anything else you got in your mind for any of the other teams? A uh, couple little notes on the Hawks. No. Uh, a, on the trade front, Kent Bazemore. Has been drawn some interest from a lot of teams, Good. Uh, which makes sense with teams looking for a difference maker from a difference maker. I mean, he is a difference maker. Okay. Care to explain yourself, Junior? You're just gonna keep looking at your smartphone. I'm gonna just keep looking at my smartphone because John John Collins, sorry, because Kent Bazemore. What difference does he make? I mean, he's a good player. He's a solid player. Yeah, but I mean he. A guy that can score, play defense, and at a position where there's not a lot of those players out there right now in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I want to trade him. I hope that happens. I hope we get a decent haul for him. I hope yeah, I'm not saying happens. he's a like a superstar, but he's a no, he's a solid player, above average player. Sure. Um, so look for something there. John Collins has been an absolute beast. I mean, look at in the last ten games, John Collins has seven double doubles. Last night against the Wizards, in only 25 minutes, he produced 20 points, 13 boards, 50% shooting from the field. I mean, we're seeing the emergence of a star here. Yeah, I mean, in December alone, he's averaging 22.9 points a game and 12.7 rebounds. Beautiful. And the most impressive thing about this is Lloyd Pierce doesn't call a single offensive play for John Collins. Yeah, he just makes it happen. This is Yeah, <laughs> so like... Imagine the potential once they do start calling plays for him and he has better players around him. Right, right. Um, yeah, and that's why this offseason is going to be so critical in terms of you're getting that Dallas draft pick. You're getting a high draft pick in your own right because we suck. And, um, I mean, 
John Collins and Trey, I mean, I know people are still getting on Trey Young, but I mean, like, the potential's all there. And, I for mean, them to be a lethal one-two combination. Don't you think that's going to attract somebody to want to come here? you got to think that. Well, after another year. Yeah. But, I mean, us getting a John Collins, like, this is a great story that's not talked about. Like, right. Atlanta made an unbelievable pick at 19 that a lot of people think is, like, the second or third best player in that whole draft that's a deep draft. You could argue that he could be the best when it's all said and done. The way and he's we, playing right now. And we got him at 19. Yeah. And that gives you a lot of faith in Travis Schlink because that was his first draft. That's true. That's got to give you a lot of faith in him. And you got to think going forward, if we get a Zion Williamson or someone of that caliber to come here to play with John Collins and Trey Young, people are going to want to come here. People are going to want to come here. If Zion Williamson is that good, if we get him, you got to start getting a little excited. But I mean, that's that's a lot of ifs. But we get us we get another stud. We get a super stud like a Zion. Watch out. I'm not saying like you were rebuilt over, but I will say it ain't going to take seven years to rebuild. Like seven I think. years. I, I just think seven years is such an absurd estimate in baseball. In any sport, like that's just took seven, the Sixers like seven years. Six that's years. like four rebuilds. Yeah, the Sixers took like six years before they got good. So I'm just saying. We'll, we'll look into that. Seven years. <laughs> Gonna be pushing forty by the time the Hawks are relevant again, according to Graham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, thirty. What the hell are you talking about? We're twenty-one. Uh, only other thing I wanted to say on them was I watched uh, the end of that Mavericks Hawks game. Yeah. Luca. I'm telling you, man. You watch him. Like, he is without a doubt the better player of the two right now. Like he, yeah. he, dude, watching him. Don't but look at the stats. Way too early to tell. He, I mean, he looks polished as hell and like a guy that can. He just looks like a seasoned veteran. All right, fine. I'm, I'm excited. I'm in the Trey Young camp because we took him. We have him. We got to deal with it. Regardless, no, I of agree. But I'm, we're always gonna, we're all, well, they're always gonna be, compared. they're always gonna be linked. That's fair. And, I, and but I think, but don't you feel like Trey still has that ability to transform a game? Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. I'm just telling you right now, Luca. You feel better. Looks yeah. like a damn once Stop. in a generational player. So, man, I missed that game, so I can't comment. I only have the experience of watching Luca the night we went to the no, know, I'm, game. I'm telling you, the dude, the dude is special, but. Trey Young still has the potential to be special, and can't forget about that draft pick that we get from Lucas. Yeah, which so is if, nice. if that turns into something, then okay. Yeah, imagine if you get Zion Williamson and some other great college basketball player in the top ten of the draft. I mean, Jesus Christ. And I mean, Dallas is playing pretty good, so I don't even know if that'll be a top ten pick. Well, but, who knows at this point, yeah. right? But Oh, your boy Herder. Yeah, he's looking good. He's been taking off since he's been in the starting lineup as well. Yeah, and I love that Lloyd has uh, you know started him off slow, and now he's gotten in the starting lineup. I'm really seeing what he's about, and I, I've been very pleased with his effort this year. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to run win Rookie of the Year, but he's a much more complete player than I think most people, including myself, right. gave him credit for. So Not to say he's a finished product, but he brings more to the, the court than just being able to shoot a three-pointer, sure. which, is, which is great. That's about all I got. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I think this wraps up today's episode of Atlanta Zone. Uh, we will be taking probably a hiatus next week, I imagine. Yep. Uh, for the holiday, so uh, we'll see you on a couple of weeks. Hope you all out there have a fantastic holiday season with your loved ones and friends. And it's the most generic PC statement I think I've heard all year. I hope you all are miserable and kill yourselves. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's more like it. <laughs> no, but seriously, have a uh, have a great have a great holiday, and uh, we'll see y'all in a couple of weeks. Thank you again for listening, and we will leave you with uh, a great song called "Must Be Santa." Until next time, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, remain in brotherhood, stay true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality. <laughs>
Nixon, 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 Nixon,